Well, uh, today we're starting a brand new series called EQ. How many of you have ever heard of EQ? Do you know what EQ? Raise your hand if you've heard of EQ. Okay, this is good. Not a lot of people. This is what, uh, in Syracuse, it was the same way. So you've heard of IQ. How many of you have heard of IQ? Raise your hand if you've heard of it. Okay, we've all heard of IQ. IQ stands for intelligence quotient. Um, Thank the Lord, I have no idea what my IQ is. I don't think I could handle it if I knew how low my IQ was. So we all know what IQ is. It's kind of how smart you are. EQ is your emotional quotient. Or, or the way that we've come to call it, your emotional intelligence versus your smarts intelligence. And one of the things that if, you've, uh, if you kind of start looking at EQ, or maybe now that we're doing this series, maybe some of you are going to be a little bit more tuned into this word or to this concept, is what you'll learn over the years. We've learned this, Tracy and I. We've learned that your EQ is actually more crucial for your success in life than your IQ is. You can have a really high IQ, but if your EQ is low, you're not going to make it very far in life. EQ is something the sales guy needs, but you don't need IQ. Just kidding, you sales guys. I'm just kidding. That was a low EQ thing to say right there. Um, but it's true, so many, so many people who have changed the world have high EQ. EQ is actually very important to God. Now some of you might say, why are we talking about this at church? This doesn't seem like something God is interested in. In fact, EQ is something that was uh, coined, this phrase was coined in the, probably in the mid-80s by some psych, pop psychologist. And, and some of you maybe have studied a little bit about EQ. Have you heard about it? Young people, you've heard about it at school. Or maybe some of you in the workplace, you've done some training on EQ. Well, I want you to know this, that even though we've only recently discovered EQ, it's actually something that God invented long, long ago when he first invented human beings. Because you're going to see that EQ is all about your ability to love yourself and your ability to love others. Now, some of you are like, come on, love myself. That's, that doesn't sound like something we should be talking about at church. Well, just hang in there. Give God a chance. Give the Bible a chance because EQ is something that God is very, very interested in. And that's why we wanted to spend the next five weeks on this series. So I hope that you will come back each week. And in fact, I hope you'll invite somebody in, at work, somebody at home. As you hear this first introductory message today, maybe you'll start thinking, man, I wish so-and-so was here. Well, you can grant that wish by inviting them to come. This is a great series uh, for, for you to invite people to come join. Because we're going we're gonna to not just look at what culture says about EQ. More importantly, we're going to look at what the Bible says about this important concept of EQ. Now, I'm going to define it more fully in just a second. But today we're going to talk about how God wants all of you. God doesn't just want the spiritual part of you. He wants the emotional part of you. And he wants the relational part of you. God wants all of you. God doesn't just want you from 11.30 to 12.30 on Sunday. God wants you all through the week, Monday through Saturday and Sunday. I think there's a tendency for people, the more religious they get, the more spiritual they get, the less godly they get. They, they start moving into this into this uh, Pharisee arena. You know, the Pharisees were the ones in the New Testament with the highest IQ. 
The Pharisees were the smartest people. They understood. They understood the Old Testament. I mean, they studied it. They were really smart. They were really learned. But they had incredibly low EQ. And the Pharisees were the bad guys of the New Testament. The Pharisees were the only ones that Jesus picked on. Go ahead and test me. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see if you can find, on Jesus, find Jesus picking on anyone else besides the Pharisees. And the reason is because the Pharisees had the form of religion, but they denied religion's power. They, had, they looked religious. They looked spiritual. They were really good at dressing up. They were really good at superficial Christianity because they were all about theological IQ and they had no EQ. They didn't know themselves and they didn't love other people. And this is why Jesus spoke out against the Pharisees. In fact, I'll read at the end of our message today, I'll read one of Jesus' responses to a Pharisee's question and you'll see how important EQ is to all of us. So that's what we're going to be talking about today and in, in these next several weeks together. So let's go ahead and define EQ so that we have a proper definition that we'll carry throughout this whole series. EQ measures your emotional and relational health. So EQ is not just about your emotions. Men, you'll be happy to know that. It's also about your relationships. It's two sides of the same coin, that the way you are, your emotional health, the way you see yourself, and your relational health, the way you interact with other people. So your EQ is your ability to know yourself and to empathize with and understand others. It's both things. So it's your ability to know yourself, we call that self-awareness, and your ability to empathize with and understand others. Now you'll notice in this series that these two things are really related. The healthier you are emotionally, the better you do at relationships. I'll say that again because maybe that's a concept some of you have never heard of before. The healthier you are emotionally, the better you are at relationships. The easiest way to understand that is to think about the converse. The most emotionally unhealthy people I want you to just think right now about a person who is the most emotionally unhealthy person you know. Say their name. Just kidding. We're not going to do that. The most emotionally unhealthy people make the worst friends. Emotionally unhealthy people lack self-awareness. They don't realize. They're not, they're not aware of. They won't admit to their insecurities. They won't admit to their shortcomings. They won't admit to their weaknesses. So we all know people who don't admit to their weaknesses. We all know people who are, who are afraid to admit that they're insecure about something. And what happens is, if you're emotionally unhealthy with yourself, if you're someone who has insecurities that you're not honest about, if you're somebody who has weaknesses or sins that you keep trying to cover up, Everyone in your life eventually knows that that's true about you, but nobody in your life can say it to you. And so what happens is the way you interact with people, you're so focused on yourself that you can't empathize with somebody else. When you have an interaction with somebody, you, you, you're, you're only thinking about your point of view. You're only thinking about your perspective. You're only thinking about your opinion. You're only thinking about what matters to you, and so as a result, you can't put yourself in another person's shoes to try to see it from their point of view. 
So emotionally unhealthy people end up having terrible relationships throughout their lives. And this is why we're talking about this in church. Because God wants you to have good relationships. Because God wants your relationship with other people to lead them to a relationship with Jesus. But if you're an insecure, angry, gossipy, slanderous, toxic person, nobody's going to want to hear anything about your perspective on Jesus. They're not even going to want to hang out with you. So the healthier you are emotionally, the more you're able to know yourself, be honest with yourself, say, why am I like that? Why am I feeling that? Why, why do I respond like that when my wife says this? The more you're able to put that on the table instead of being afraid of that, the more you're able to put that on the table and deal with it, the healthier you'll be emotionally, and then therefore it's going to start spreading out into your relationships and people are going to want to be around you because you're a pleasure to be around, because you're not so self-focused. So that's why EQ matters. And that's why we're going to be studying it. Let's look at some scripture. Psalm 139.1, David says this. David, by the way, one of, the author of many of the Psalms, had incredibly high EQ, especially for a guy. Incredibly high EQ. In other words, as you read the Psalms, and many of you maybe read the Psalms a lot, I encourage you to do that throughout this series. We're going to be using a lot of Psalms in this series because the Psalms are flush with EQ statements. Statements about being self-aware. Statements about, their, about David's emotions and his feelings. He's being honest about this stuff. It's so refreshing to read the Psalms. And here's an example of it. Psalm 139.1, David says, Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. That is, that is someone who's not afraid to put their stuff on the table. God, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. Early in my marriage, when Tracy and I would get in a conversation, that's what we called arguments and fights when we were first married, when we'd get in a conversation. I, I had learned from my family of origin, and, and I love my parents. I, they're awesome people. Many of you know my parents. But I had learned the way we deal with conflict is if something came up, we lift up rug and sweep under. That's what we do. And can anyone relate to that? That's how we dealt with it. And so when I got into a relationship with Tracy, we got married and we started doing conflict. I did conflict the way I learned how to do conflict, which is we don't talk about our feelings. We don't call out each other's trash. That's not what we do. And so when Tracy, when we would start getting into something and, you know, I would, have an, I would start being passive-aggressive with her or something, nobody calls out passive-aggressiveness in my family. You can be passive-aggressive and just leave it alone. That's kind of the point, right? And Tracy would be like, hey, that seemed a little passive-aggressive, what you did right there. I was like, say what? Wait, we're labeling these things now? We can talk about these? And it's... For the first couple years, it was so hard for me to deal with this because Tracy, my wife, had the ability to just step right into conflict and not be passive-aggressive about it. It was actually, in the end, it was pretty refreshing. Like She's like, hey, why did you just take, it seemed like you had a tone right there. What was that about? And I was like, what, what are we doing right now? <laughs> and what we were doing is we, we were doing healthy conflict. Resolution. Because my wife is a healthy person. 
Because my wife goes to God and says, I'm not perfect, Lord. You can examine my heart. I'm okay with that. That's, that's someone who, that, that's how God wants us to be. He wants us to be the kinds of people who say, I'm not perfect, God. Your word says I'm not perfect. So I'm going to put this thing on the table that I'm feeling right now, the anger and the thing that doesn't seem very Christian. It, I don't like it. This is what I'm feeling. I'm going to put it on the table and I'm going to admit it. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to be transparent so that we can start dealing with this thing. Dealing with it with God and then dealing with it with my spouse or with my parents or with my friends or with people in my life, my mentor, with people in my life that care about me and want to make me a better person. That's what David did. Some of you, I hope, by the end of this series will say, I'm going to start doing that. Proverbs 2.3 says, cry out for insight, ask for understanding. I wish I would have seen this verse when I was 16 years old. I wish my church would have done a series like this when I was 16 years old. Because I learned a lot about the Bible. I learned a lot about Bible characters. I learned a lot about theology. But I don't remember a single time when we talked about EQ in church. And I wish we would have seen this scripture and I would have said, wait, I'm supposed to cry out for insight? I'm supposed to ask for understanding about me? About myself? About my emotions? About what's going on in here? About my sins? About my weaknesses? Wait, I can put that on the table and I can say, I want to know this. Go ahead, Tracy, work on me. What do you see in me? How can I grow? How can I be better? How can I be a better man? As we raised our kids as they, were, as they were young, man, nobody knows how to raise kids. Cry out for insight. Ask for understanding. Why am I feeling this way about my son right now? And we can put that on the table and we can deal with it. This is what God wants us to do. He's not just interested in our spiritual side. He's not just interested in our theological IQ. He's interested in how we know and love ourselves and therefore how we know and love other people. That's what he cares about. God created us as emotional, relational, and spiritual beings. That's the truth. He didn't just create us as spiritual beings or as physical beings. He created our emotions. He created our relationships. So we should do work on those things, shouldn't we? But here's the bad news. By nature, these components are broken in all of us. We're broken people, not just spiritually, but we're broken emotionally. We're broken relationally. And this is the starting point for working on this. Because if you're not willing to admit you're broken emotionally and relationally, then you're never going to be willing to put that stuff on the table. You're always going to be sort of hedging your bets. You're always going to be sort of, sort of trying to cover up your imperfections. But God wants emotionally healthy people who just expose their imperfections and say, God, deal with me, work with me, I know I'm imperfect. And so is this person, and so is that person, and so is that person. And man, if we all could just start right there, oh, how awesome would that be? No more pretense, no more fake, no more masks. Just real people dealing with, real and broken people dealing with other real and broken people. And then allowing God to do his work. But it didn't start that way. Genesis 3, Genesis 1.31 says, God looked over all he had made after he made Adam and Eve. And he says, this is very good. 
So when he created the sun and the moon and the stars and the fish and the birds and the trees, he, after all of those days, he said it's good. But then after the sixth day, when he created humans, he said it's very good. In other words, you are very good. Human being, man, woman, young person, you are very good. God loves what he made when he made you. The problem is, when Adam and Eve sinned, everything about you broke. Every component of you broke, spiritually, emotionally, relationally. And that's why you have thoughts that aren't good and godly. That's why you have fights. That's why you, you're selfish. That's what the Bible says. It's really simple. Jeremiah 17, 9 says it like this. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Who really knows? How bad it is. We're all broken. Can we just start there? Can we just all admit it? We're all broken. Every one of us. We have this tendency as human beings to say that the problem is out there. And there's still a lot of problems out there. But the Bible says the problem is in here. The problem is you have insecurities. You have selfish thoughts. You have a broken emotional life. And therefore, because you're your, your emotions are fundamental to the way you deal with people. Because you have a broken emotional life, you have broken relationships. If you were healthy emotionally, you would be healthier relationally. But the real problem is a spiritual problem. And that's really the only solution. And that's why a relationship with God makes you a healthy and whole person. The Bible teaches us that God changes us from the inside out. And so this impacts our spiritual, our emotional, and our relational lives. And this is why I think you should invite some friends to this series, because they're going to learn about EQ in a way that they're never going to learn about it by just reading a book about it. Because we're going to learn about what the Bible says about the solution to EQ. Because the, the only complete solution to our emotional and relational brokenness, and this is a biblical statement, the only complete solution to our emotional and relational brokenness is a spiritual solution. Jesus is the only solution to your emotional, is the only real solution to your emotional brokenness. And Jesus is the only real solution to your, relation, your relationship problems. So when we come to Jesus and we put our faith in Jesus Christ, he changes us from the inside out. We, we saw this in the Shema series a few weeks ago, that God wants to change our hearts. And remember what your heart is? It's actually your brain in Hebrew. Your heart is your, the way you think, it's the way you feel, it's the way you act, it's your intentions. It's basically the center of your EQ. So God, what God does is he changes us from our heart, from the inside out, and then what happens is, having changed our hearts, he begins to work on our emotions. He begins to work on the way we see ourselves. He begins to work on our insecurities. And then he begins to work on the way we relate to other people because people matter to God. And so therefore our relationships matter to God. And so true health and wholeness only comes from Jesus. So let's finish with a few scriptures here. And I want to give some time to this scripture that I, that I first really opened my eyes to when I was 16 years old. 
I don't always remember the first time I really read a scripture verse, but this one is one that I do. I remember as a 16-year-old, I was sitting there with another uh, kid from my youth group, and we were, we were trying to answer the question, what's the, most, what's the most important passage in scripture? We were trying to, I remember sitting there at his dinner table with our Bibles open saying, we're trying to answer what is the most important passage in scripture, and this is the passage that we came up with. And the reason is because Jesus said this is the most important. So you can think whatever is the most important, but I'm with Jesus. I think this is the most important. So you can submit your own most important verses to me later, but me and Jesus say this is it. That's supposed to be a little bit funnier. You guys are taking me way too seriously today. Man, you guys need to get some EQ. A Pharisee came to Jesus and said, what's the most important rule in the rule book? And remember, Pharisees were high IQ spiritual jerks. That's what a Pharisee was. Not all of them, but most of them. They were really high IQ. They thought that God only cared about their knowledge. They didn't think that he cared about relationships. Because if they did, they would have had better relationships. They would have been nicer to people, not such jerks to everyone. Now again, you guys, are, you guys are probably saying, you seem like you're being really hard on the Pharisees. No, Jesus was really hard on the Pharisees. Just read it for yourself. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you'll see it all over the place in there. So here this Pharisee comes to Jesus and he says, what's the most important rule in the rule book? And they're trying to trip him up. They're trying to get him to say like, well, the first commandment or the fourth commandment. And then they were going to be like, well, gotcha, because what about the other nine? But Jesus is so much smarter than they are, IQ, and also so much smarter than they are, EQ. And so Jesus responds like this. He says, here it is. And you'll recognize this from the series we just finished, the Shema. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your inner person, with all your soul, your whole person, and with all your mind and strength, with all your muchness, like we studied just last week. He says, this is the first and greatest commandment, except, except for this. It's not the first commandment. It's not any of the commandments. Again, the Pharisee was asking for one of the Ten Commandments, and Jesus gave him the Shema. Jesus gave him something that wasn't one of the Ten Commandments. Like if, if the commandments were a book, the Shema was the intro to the book. This is like... You know, have you ever met a person who is just so focused on details? He's, he's so focused, like a lot of math people are like this, or engineers can be like this, and I admit I'm like this. You're so focused on the details, you're fo- so focused on the, that you're kind of missing the big picture, and that's what was happening with the Pharisees. They were so focused on the Ten Commandments, and then all the other commandments that came out of that, there was one for every day of the year, over 360 commandments, if you were a Jewish person living 3,000 years ago, all these commandments that they were trying to keep all the rules, that they kind, of, they kind of missed the forest for the trees. They were so focused on this tree and that tree and that tree. And Jesus, what he's trying to do here is just zoom out. He's like, whoa, hey, just pull back. Just pull back. Here's the most important thing. Love, which is an EQ thing, not an IQ thing, It's a relational word. He says, love God 
There's your spiritual life. Love God. Get right with God. And then he says this, and the second is equally important. Love, he says it again. Love, again, that's an EQ word. So could you imagine this coming at, coming at a, a Pharisee who was an IQ guy, and Jesus is coming at him with EQ? He doesn't say, he doesn't say study the Lord your God. He doesn't say learn the Lord your God. He doesn't say think about the Lord your God. These are all IQ words. They're not bad, but they're missing the point. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then the second is like it. Love your neighbor and love yourself. Love your neighbor is relational. Love yourself, I take that to be emotional. So see, in this in this what I believe to be the most important passage in Scripture to, under, to really understand. The most important passage in Scripture is actually not about what you understand. It's about how you love. Love God. God wants a real relationship with you. He doesn't just want you to study him. Love people. He wants you to have a real relationship with people. And love yourself, because if you can't love yourself, then you can't have a real relationship with people. Because you're always going to be just running into your insecurities and your weaknesses. And you're always going to be faking and covering up so that somebody doesn't discover that you're imperfect. But God already knows you're imperfect. And if you would just say, okay, I admit it, I'm imperfect. Then we can start dealing with these hang-ups in your life. We can start dealing with these insecurities and these weaknesses and these faults in you, and guess what happens? Is man, from the inside out, God changes you, and he changes your relationships. And this is why I see this passage as an EQ passage. I didn't see it like this when I was 16, because I didn't know what EQ was. But now I look at this, and I say, this is what God was talking about. This is what Jesus was talking about. He's not just talking about studying your Bibles. He's talking about living it out. 1 John 1, 7, John says this, if we're living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. Now, when I first read this I, and I studied this, my first instinct, and maybe your first instinct, is to misinterpret this. That you think that this means that if we're living in the light with God, then we have relationship with God. That's what it looks like at first. But actually, at second glance, as you study it, it's not actually what the original Greek is saying. The original Greek says this, if you're living in the light, if you have relationship with God, then you have relationship with other people. That each other is the church. It's not you and God. So what this is telling us is that relationship with God impacts relationships with people. What this is telling us is that people who have a relationship with God should have the best relationships with people. Then why doesn't that happen? Why are Christians some of the most selfish, ignorant, mean people in the world. Now, I'm not saying that that's true of Alpiners, because I, thank the Lord, don't know a lot of Alpiners that are that way, but there sure are a lot of other religious people who call themselves Christians who don't seem to love people. That's not a Jesus thing. 
So what this verse is telling us is that the more I dig into the word, the more I have a relationship with God, the more I have fellowship with God, the more I want to know God, the more I have true, genuine, loving, authentic fellowship with people around me. And that's an EQ thing. So when God fixes us, then it fixes our relationships with people. And one more verse. Jesus says this, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, My purpose, what I want, is to give people a rich and satisfying life. Now, I think it's interesting that Jesus didn't say, I want to give people a rich and satisfying faith. He doesn't say, I want to give people a rich and satisfying theology. He says, I want to give people a rich and satisfying life. For some people, their relationship with God translates to Bible studies and information. And I don't, want, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that Bible studies are bad, that good theology is bad. No, good theology is good. We want to have good theology here at Alpine Church. But what I'm saying is the thing that God is supremely interested in is your life, is your life. And your life is made up of your emotions and your relationships. That's what your life is about. So God cares about our EQ. He cares about our emotional intelligence. He cares about your ability to love yourself, to know yourself, and love yourself. And we'll talk more about what we mean by that because we don't mean by that what the world means by that. I just want you to know. He cares about your ability to love yourself and he cares so deeply about your ability to love others because people matter to him. And so let's get ready for this journey together.